All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, and I'm just here to introduce the guest host for today's program. Our host is Dr. Eric Fretz, and Dr. Fretz is a graduate of the University of Michigan and faculty lecturer at the University of Michigan, and he teaches classes all across the campus, including psychology, innovative blue entrepreneurship, uh, School of Education, College of Engineering, Center for Entrepreneurship. Can you tell he likes entrepreneurship? Well, he is here. Dr. Fretz retired from the United States Navy after 20 years and three deployments to the Persian Gulf. His topic today is uh, the Journal of Veteran Studies. Finally, many colleges and universities across the country and around the world are adding veteran study courses to their curriculums. But first, I need to thank our sponsors before we get into the program. I want to mention our loyal sponsors, including Legal Help for Veterans, specializing in veterans' disability claims. Call Legal Help for Veterans at 800-693-4800. The National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. For more information, go to their website, nvbdc.org. The Eisenhower Center, located in Michigan and Florida, specializes in the treatment for veterans, first responders, and athletes, anyone suffering from post-traumatic stress, TBI, or a closed head injury. For more information about the Eisenhower Center, you can go to eisenhowercenter.com or give them a call at 800-554-5543. And finally, the Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, what we think is the finest VA medical health care system in our whole program out there of, of VA medical centers. To learn more about these organizations and their services, as well as how you can support Veterans Radio, go to our website, veteransradio.net slash our sponsors. All right, so... We want you to sit back and enjoy today's program. Dr. Fretz has got a number of people that are participating with the Journal of Veteran Studies. So sit back and enjoy today's program. All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Eric Fretz, and welcome to the next edition of Veterans Radio. Today we're going to have an awesome conversation with a good friend of mine, uh, Brianna Grahowski, and she is going to talk to us about two great things. One is the Journal of Veteran Studies, and the other is just the concept of this Veteran Studies community. I think there's a lot of wonderful stuff going on out there, and when we're done today, you're going to be really smart about it. So I'd like to welcome you, Marianna. Um, I think it's it's one of our, we've been you know I've known each other for you know several years now, and I know that you started you know, way back in December of 2015 um, when you were working at the Indiana University Southeast and and also Mass Maritime, and you were really studying. Um, how folks are doing writing and became fascinated with the veterans that were in your class and how that was sort of unique. And that led to, I think, some real interest in how veterans are sort of different um, in terms of how they approach their writing. And there were others that were interested in uh, some Virginia Tech folks that were interested in, in veterans and uh, the, the things that they were doing. And that led, I think, to a, an idea of, hey, we, we could have a, a sort of a, a centralized resource for a research on this topic. Um, 
And so you've since then uh, moved on as as uh, editor. You're editing the journal. Um, you moved on. You do some some independent scholar stuff. That I know that you're doing with a couple of other universities. Um, but editing uh, this journal has obviously become a, a very much a full time job. Um, and so I'd like to just talk to you a little bit about that, and maybe you could share a little bit about the genesis of the journal, and then we could talk a little bit about some of your favorite things that you've uh, seen over the years that we've published. Um, so yeah, take it away. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yes, it's, it's quite a privilege to be here. Um, so I'm not a veteran. I, I would not last a day in the military. I grew up without sort of routine and structure. Um, and, you know, uh, but my dad is a veteran. My dad uh, was drafted into Vietnam and served there and, um, you know, came home, you know, not wanting to talk about it and, and, uh, sort of poignantly mentioning to me that I will not be defined by my military service. And so I grew up thinking like, okay, so being a veteran maybe is a bad thing. Um, or at least in his mind for a period of time, it wasn't something he was very proud of. Um, and I was always quite curious about that. Um, fast forward to many years later, um, i my friends were starting to go to the military after high school. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I had a couple of really good friends. One went to the Air Force, one went to the Marine Corps, and was very, like, just opened my eyes to this different, again, uh, counter what my parents had told me. Um, also, uh, in my town, they were protesting the Iraq War. And so all of this was sort of really, like, culminating in my mind and um, get just genuine curiosity. And yeah, I went to school to get a degree in rhetoric and composition because I'm very passionate about how people make meaning or how people process things and um, interpret things. Um, and sort of my uh, brain thinks best with writing and communication. Um, and so in, in studying that field, um, I became interested particularly in women in the military um, and wanting to know their stories and how they sort of made meaning of their service. Um, so my dissertation was a looking at two disabled uh, women veterans and how they make meaning and process um, their military service. One does that through art and one does that through social media and virtual uh, intelligence and sort of different technologies. Um, and so that is sort of where that all sort of came from is this very strong interest. I will say that um, it was very good timing, um, all of this. Uh, and I'm very much a person who is uh, aware of her contextual uh, chirotic situation of where she is and what, what's happening in history. Um, so uh, the drawdown of the Iraq war was happening and this was very much being talked about. And so that was more of an impetus um, in my field. We were scrambling, quote unquote, uh, as well as many parts of higher education were scrambling. Uh, that's the word to prepare and understand how to accommodate student veterans coming into college. Yeah, man, is um, this influx of veterans because the veterans had always been coming to college, but they hadn't, that's been, true. They hadn't been coming from combat. That's right. That, thank you. That's right. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, not since world war two or something had we had this sort of influx of con combat veterans or individuals with deployments coming into the classroom at such a high rate. Um, and so 
that was being discussed. And so from there, I met contacts and colleagues across the country doing research with student veterans um, in the composition classroom. At the same time, I met people like Travis Martin, who is out of Eastern Kentucky University, um, who was... Yeah, who is the first person I ever heard use the word, use the term veteran studies. Um, and uh, we can talk about that program and um, his great work. But I'm mentioning all of this to say there was a community, a culture being formed of, you know, researching veterans, um, understanding the veteran transition process, understanding military families. This is something that is worth academic pursuit. I mean, many people have been doing it for many, many years, but in terms of really making a concentrated effort to bring us all together, sort of, uh, and use our collective wisdom and knowledge, um, it was really happening 2013 um, and into the present. Um, met some people at Virginia Tech. They have a conference um, and mm-hmm. veterans in society. Yes, they have the veterans in society conference. Um, and they started that, I think, in 2013. Yep. From those conversations, going to those conferences, meeting with these people, uh, it was very clear that a venue for publishing research um, was necessary and needed. Mm-hmm. And I was a junior a junior scholar, for lack of a better way of saying it. And uh, I was like, well, I've got the energy and I don't, uh, and I had, I've got nothing to lose. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. I'll also mention that I've had experience in the editorial, academic editorial world. So sure. I, as a master's student, I uh, worked on a junior, uh, an academic journal and I saw a, a fellow graduate student running this journal and doing the work on Uh, basically on his own. And so I knew it wasn't impossible. I knew the platform he was using. I knew sort of how to run a journal. Um, And so, yeah, I I finally got the courage uh, to, to push it through. Uh, In about 2015, we December, December, 2015, the first call goes out. Hey, anybody want to submit some articles about veterans? That's right. And then about what, about six months later took to, Yep, it took about six months to get that first issue out. Yep, that's correct. So our first issue, mm-hmm. July twenty sixteen. Yeah. So is there? Um, do you have like a favorite memory from getting that first issue out, or the you know one of the favorite articles, or just? Ah, oh, that's interesting. Uh, a favorite memory from getting it out. Um, gosh, the whole process was really wonderful. Um, I had enough. I guess I felt like I had enough time to do an editor's introduction, and so it was really nice to be able to frame the issue and mention all the different articles. Um, I really liked that we had a, a, a diverse array of folks, and we also had some like individuals that, uh, like Rebecca McMenamin, um, who is not necessarily a scholar. She's a staff member. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm proud about, about the journal is that not necessarily all academics, uh, mm-hmm. write and publish in the journal yeah. that individuals will write and publish in the journal about their veteran studies or sorry, veteran service organization mm-hmm. or whatnot. Yeah, there's all kinds of people doing some some great work and and gathering some interesting data out there. Not always academics. Yeah. So so basically, July 2016, and then it's publishing on a schedule of about how often? Um, we try to put out about three issues a year. Um, however, uh, we're a little non-traditional, so uh, I'd say probably in about 2019 we began a process called publishing on demand. Uh, we're an open access journal. We're only on the on the online. Uh, we're not print based at all. 
in 2019, we started a process called publish on demand, which means um, we sort of, we publish an article as it's ready. Um, and we don't wait for an issue in order to push, push out, mm-hmm. you know, five articles. The only time we will push out a single issue with multiple articles in it is when we have a special, special issue. Process. Yeah. So I'd say total, you know, we publish about three issues a year and we publish well over a hundred manuscripts uh, a year. So, um, and I noticed you've got now, um, gosh, probably, I mean, it's over 150 closing in on 200, uh, articles published. So that's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. As, as for someone who thought maybe, you know, we'd have a couple of issues and then we wouldn't have any more articles coming in. It's pretty amazing that sustainability and the growth. That's great. Yeah. And hopefully, as like I said, hopefully this program will get out there and a whole lot of people will be like, oh, hey, wow. You know, I know I've, I've encountered a number of students working in the um, veteran studies area, basically broadly. And I've, I've told all of them, hey, here's a, here's a place where, you know, I don't know if you haven't considered publishing your research, but you should head that way. So. So yeah, so basically that's that's very helpful. So basically the idea comes in 2015. We we get to now it's been, you know, a good good solid 5 or 6 years. Um and so the journal has grown and obviously has grown in membership, has grown in the number of articles. I mean, um I think maybe to wrap up talking about the journal, do you just have like a you know, a sort of a a favorite article or a, just a couple of highlights of like all that because 150 to 200 articles is a lot. Has there been one that really kind of rocked the boat the most or had the most responses or just as a, like a favorite of yours in terms of what it focused on? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I will, I have two, I'm going to mention two. Um, the first one is a program profile, which means that it's not a traditional article in terms of research methods and data collection and, um, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and it is our most widely popular article, uh, or piece rather, um, that, that you can go on our website and it, it shows you, you know, top or most popular articles. And it is the top. It's called Reconceptualing the U.S. Military's Transition Assistance Program, the Success in Transition Model. And I would say that I think a lot of scholars are very interested in that transition process. How does that happen? And so this has become one of the most, um, well, it is the most popular piece. Um, and then I'll say, um, I'm a little biased, but my favorite piece is called um, The State of Research in Veteran Studies, a Systematic Literature Review, um, which was published in... 2020. Um, and I love that because it's, it's, it's giving legitimacy to the fact that veteran studies can be an academic field. Body of work, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So speaking of veteran studies as an academic field, excellent segue. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about this concept because like, if you go back to the early 2010s and you start talking to people about veteran studies, you're going to get a lot of blank looks, um, whether you're in academia or anyplace else. Um, and now, you know, it's very different. Now you really have, you have a journal. There is a uh, 501c3 um, that underpins the um, Veteran Studies Association. Um, so you've got an association, a journal, a 513, you have um, regular sort of annual conferences where research can be presented, and there's a, a growth in, um, as we were discussing a little bit earlier, growth in actual veteran studies programs, whether it's a certificate or a minor, or now in at least one case, and I think there's several that are coming online, you can get your degree. You can major 
in veteran studies, um, which I think is just fantastic. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this whole concept of veteran studies. Um, maybe just a little, maybe you could just give a little bit of your thoughts on sort of how you've seen it grow. And then we can talk a little bit about some of these great programs and associations. Sure. So the veteran, veteran studies, um, it very much is about the, the veteran experience, quote unquote, whatever that means, you know, uh, and it's so multifaceted, obviously. Um, so the first time I heard the term I, I mentioned was Travis Martin out of Eastern Kentucky University using that term. And he, that was the first program I had ever heard of that was teaching any classes um, about veteran studies. And so, you know, I just really started wanted to be a, a fly on the wall in, in that classroom to kind of understand more about what that was. And, you know, over the years, I grasped a little bit more here and there. I've seen it grow a lot. Yeah. So, you know, mentioning hearing that term maybe in 2013 really sticks out 20, 2012. Um, and then meeting people at Virginia Tech um, doing the work and, and hosting that first conference, as I mentioned, um, really put it into perspective to see how many people there were. Um, I met a really great colleague there, um, Jim Craig, who was at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Yep. I always get it wrong. Um, <laughs> and um, he has a program too uh, for veteran studies. And and so, wow, seeing that, seeing a, another individual running a program um, in veteran studies was really fascinating to me. And I've seen it a, grow in terms, sorry, go ahead. This is yeah. the, the 2013 <laughs> conference, right? So, yeah. So what would you say as you, as you think back on that, like how, how many people, how many scholars, just kind of a rough number, what kind of a group are we pulling together? Let's be generous and say there are a hundred people there. Awesome. Um, maybe. Yeah. So I mean, a small, yeah. but a small, but very focused community, right? Right off the bat. Right. So it isn't just like three people at a table. This is the first conference mm. and, and there's still quite a number of people who are like, Hey, this is my interest. Okay, great. So, yeah. Um, and then there've been a couple more since then. Would you say that there's been you know, some pretty steady growth? There has been, and what's been really exciting and awesome is international growth. So we've had individuals coming over from, you know, uh, the UK um, and, and other countries to be a part of this conversation. For sure. And I mean, you think about it, you know, when you think about we've we've basically spent the last 20 years in sort of the longest wars in the history of our nation. And it hasn't just been us, the U.S., right? We've had allies with the U.K. and you know Australia and, and uh, any number of allies that have um, participated with us. And so they obviously have their own communities and their own needs and probably some doing some of their own research. So that's fantastic as well. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, maybe then um, talk a little bit more about sort of sort of how it's grown or how you've seen it grow. Um, sure. Yeah. So at the founding of the journal or that when that first issue came out in 2016, I had mentioned that there were these number of programs. And I think I mentioned one is, is in, is in uh, New York, New York state sort of system school. Um, there was one and then the one in EKU, the one in Missouri that I knew about. And since that time, um, I am aware of a program that's in Utah. I think it's a graduate level program. Um, and I think it's more focused on the health sort of aspect of veterans healthcare. Um, if I'm correct. Uh, and then UC Irvine has come out with a certificate program, um, which is a great program. Um, they've come out with one. Um, I know Arizona university of Arizona, Nope. Arizona State is really, really working hard at um, offering classes um, in that regard. I don't know if they have a full certificate program uh, or not, but I have some great colleagues there that are doing good work. And those are all the ones that I am I'm currently aware of. But the thing is, I think if we could talk to Jim Craig, we'd hear that um, he gets tapped on a lot to sort of 
uh, I'm really sorry, St. Leo University, uh, my friend Luke McLeese at St. Leo University, they're the first ones that I'm aware of that is offering a major in a four-year degree. And that's coming out this fall. But I wanted to just say, I think folks like Luke, Travis, Jim, they, they're being tagged to say, like, how do I establish this program? I think there are more. I think there are a lot of these conversations happening. It's an idea that's kind of reaching critical mass, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. And I think a lot has a lot to do with both the journal and the, and the association. So, um, so the Veteran Studies Association, what, what's that about? And, and yeah. why, why, I mean, this is, I, it's, I think it's right, some, anybody can join, right? So, I mean, That's what correct. you'd like to see is anybody out there who's helping veterans or running any kind of program at, at any university, you know, why not join? You get uh, some awareness of uh, more awareness of the journal. You get uh, access to the conference, right? I mean, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So um, just really looking forward to establishing community and connection because um, a lot of, oh, at least I can speak for myself when I was at a unit, when I was affiliated with a full-time with the university, I felt, you know, I was the only one doing that kind of research. I was the only person in my whole school that I knew of doing research about veterans um, and the veteran experience. So instead of having these little silos of individuals doing the work across the country, trying to find a way to we have some international members. Um, instead of having just these little silos of people doing similar work, bringing together and having conversation and helping each other out um, is really the goal. Um, and then, yeah, being able to uh, financially uh, support a conference. Um, uh, the journal gets no financial support other than well, Virginia Tech publishing um, fully so fully takes care of all web hosting and creation of that. But, um, you know, no one is getting paid um, for the journal or with the association, sure. all of the benefits or all the money is going to being able to host events. Yeah. Awesome. So the Veteran Studies Association, it is a 501c3, right? So it's a nonprofit. Um, so yeah. that's got a board. And then it, its primary thing is just to um, host the uh, conference, Try to do that, try to do that once a year, yeah. but there's, uh, I know COVID obviously interrupted everything, but there's, there's one coming up, right? You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Arizona state university will be hosting the next veterans and society conference, um, and, uh, working on the call for papers right now. We're hoping to have it in the fall, if not fall 2021, because we, you know, I know all of us are still trying to be aware of the COVID situation and what's happening. Um, if not fall 2021, then fall 2022, uh, we will be having this conference. Again, still working on a call for papers, but Arizona State has quite a, vet- a veterans um, and military program, um, and they're very proud to be able to host something um, uh, for of this caliber. And we're hoping that we'll have, you know, well over 200 people there. Uh, for the 2020 conference we were supposed to have in St. Lewis um, was probably the most people in attendance, um, mm-hmm. but was canceled. Yeah, it was all set yeah. to go. Do yeah. you, um, does the Veterans Studies Association ever do like a booth at like um, the Student Veterans of America conference? They do that each year? Um, no, we, we haven't. Um, so, you know, you have to pay to get into those conferences. Um, and uh, that is an actually, SBA is quite an expensive one if you're not, you know, affiliated with the university. Ah, okay. um, and so um, at this point, we haven't. Uh, the journal has gone to SBA one year um, uh, on out of her own pocket. But yeah, these card of sources, you have to pay to play. And, right. uh, um, and if you're not affiliated with the university, getting into these spaces is quite challenging. 
All right. Yeah, yeah agreed. When I think about large numbers of people who are very interested in veterans and veteran research, um, you know, that SVA is a prime prime area of intellectual ferment. So, all right. Couldn't cool. agree more. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, so I think sort of uh, one of, sort of the last things to talk about would be, because we've, we've sort of done the journal and sort of the emer- uh the emergence of this veteran studies concept and how it's evolved and become more common and the degree programs, the certificate programs, we've got the um, association and the conference. So um, in all this time now, decade plus that you have been sort of drifting around in this sort of stew pot and bumping into all these other great folks, and you've mentioned several, um, but maybe we could just sort of spend a couple minutes um, kind of laying out a little bit of a who's who, because I think as everyone's listening to this, they may not be aware of where's all the cool stuff going down, right? So like if you're new to a town, you know, where's the best burger? Where's the good late night joint? Where's the best uh, urgent care? You know, who's the best doctor and dentist? And just kind of best of, you know, thinking, for example, you know, I'll just sort of lead off and say, you know, that Syracuse has this great thing, this Institute for the Veterans and Military Family is extremely well funded. They've got their own building now. It's been growing year over year. Um, they do a lot of fantastic work. Um, and there's a bunch of others. So just from your perspective and just kind of free form, just kind of like flip through your Rolodex and say, here's a cool thing and here's a cool thing. And don't forget about this one over here. And she's doing this and whatever. Just if you want to take a couple of minutes and just kind of plant some seeds so that folks could go um, sort of dig in a little bit and, and find out some more. Well, I'd really like to start off by saying um, that there's a lot of great work happening outside of the United States. Uh, I know this is probably just a national broadcast uh, show. Uh, however, um, got some really great colleagues doing things in, in the UK and Australia. And, um, and so uh, I'm learning more and more about these programs and, um, Forces and Mind Trust is a very big organization in the United Kingdom um, that do amazing research um, for military families and veterans. So I want to. What was that called again? Forces and Mind. Forces and Mind Trust. Forces and Mind Trust. Got it. Yeah. Forces and Mind Trust. Keep the forces in mind. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, they have quite a a, a robust web presence um, with lots of different resources. Um, so very exciting. Coming back to the United States, however, um, I have a close colleague, uh, Alexis Hart. Uh, she's at Allegheny, uh, Univers- Allegheny University. Uh, so she and her colleague, Roger Tom- Thomas, who is at Stony Brook University, they were really big into establishing in the field of rhetoric and composition or um, in English studies, for lack of a better word, a focus on veterans and student veterans. Um, so they have written like sort of the seminal text on working with student veterans in the writing classroom um, and um, have helped establish a standing group at a conference that's the biggest in the field of, again, rhetoric and composition um, called the Conference on College Composition and Communication. There is a standing group where it is focused on working with current future former members of the military. Um, So uh, this has become a robust group um, uh, of of folks uh, and scholars Mm -hmm. uh, that I was lucky to be a part of for a number of years as well. You know, then moving down to Virginia Tech, um, Jim Dubinsky and Bruce Pensick uh, and Eric Hodges uh, were the ones that formed that first Veterans and Societies conference. um, And all of them, um, most of their research does focus on, on veterans um, Eric has is now longer at Virginia Tech, but um, 
at Longwood University and doing amazing work. Um, You're doing great with these names, by the way. You're way, way better than I am. This is fantastic. (laughs) I'm trying to go. I'm trying to map the country as well. I'm trying to geographically. Sure. Yeah, keep uh, on going. Okay, so let's go down to uh, Florida, where uh, Luke McLeese or Ernest McLeese, depending on the day, how he wants to be approached. Um, uh, he is at St. Leo University and um, in Florida and helps establish this Veterans Studies major uh, program. And he also has a podcast called Veterans and Academics that yeah. has become very popular. Mm-hmm. He and I are working on an edited collection of memoir type chapters of uh, individuals that Make the, made the transition from the military into higher education or academia. And so that's coming out by, from the University of Kentucky Press um, probably in 2022 or 2023. And so really exciting work that he's doing in terms of focusing on that experience coming into the academy, what that's like for a veteran. Um, and then we can't forget uh, Travis Martin, who is doing amazing work at Eastern Kentucky University. Um, and then Jim Craig at us in Minis- in Missouri, um, doing amazing work. Um, and uh, everybody at Arizona State University, uh, Nancy DeLay and Manu um, are doing amazing work. Lucky to have them as colleagues. And then last but not least, I'll shout out to Anita Cervantes Bradford, who is in charge of the certificate program at the University of California, Irvine in Veteran Studies. And she's doing amazing work trying to get that program robust. Yeah, and so signing up for the journal or checking out the journal, what would be a good URL for them to hit up to see more about the Veteran Studies in terms of the journal? It's journal-veterans-studies.org. But I do think that if you just Google Journal of Veteran Studies, it should be coming up um, there. And then how about the Veteran Studies Association and the Associated Conference? I'm assuming the conference information would always be on the association's uh, website, right? Yeah. All right. So veteranology.org. Was it org? org. Veteranology.org. Yep. So there you go. Two great links if folks want to follow up some more. So I think we'll kind of wrap it up there, but I'd like to thank my guest, Mari Grahowski, um, so, so much. This has really been fantastic to learn all about the journal. Fantastic resource. So thank you again, Mary, and um, we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Um, and have a great day, everybody. It's been my pleasure. Again, I'm Eric Fretz, your host today here on Veterans Radio, and we'll see you next time. The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Lieutenant J.G. William Hall pressed the attack, although seriously wounded during the Battle of the Coral Sea. Details after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. Hall was the pilot of a scouting plane in action against enemy Japanese forces in the Coral Sea. In a determined attack on 7th of May, 1942, Hall dove his plane at an enemy Japanese aircraft carrier, contributing materially to the destruction of that vessel. On the 8th of May, facing heavy and fierce fighter opposition, He again displayed extraordinary skill as an airman and the aggressive spirit of a fighter in repeated and effective counterattacks against the superior number of enemy planes in which three enemy aircraft were destroyed. Though seriously wounded in this engagement, Hall succeeded in landing his plane safe. 
The Medal of Honor Series is a production of Veterans Radio. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative. Maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. We can all help someone going through a difficult time. Learn how you can be there for veterans. Visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. VeteransCrisisLine.net. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Fretz, and we're continuing our discussion of veteran studies uh, with our previous guest, Mary Grahowski, who has talked with us a lot about the evolution of the Journal of Veteran Studies. And as we were talking, uh, she mentioned all of her fantastic colleagues who contribute to this field. And I said, you know, let's just get a bunch of them together and we'll continue this discussion. So we're joined in addition to Mari by our three colleagues. We have Bruce Pensick and Eric Hodges and Travis Martin, who are all part of the group of scholars who are contributing to the veteran studies um, and um, veteranology concept. So I think we would talk a little bit more today about how that concept has evolved. Let me go ahead and bring uh, bring them up once at a time. So Bruce, you're um, a co-founder of the Veterans and Society Initiative at Virginia Tech and one of the history, history and social sciences librarian there. So you've been involved in this a long time and some of the really foundational um, things. You want to talk a little bit about your program and how this started for you? Well, yes. Thank you. Uh, yes. And, and Eric Hodges, who's also here with us, uh, the three of us, Jim Dubinsky in the English department, me in the library, and Eric in an interdisciplinary social sciences PhD program, uh, we'd work together with Eric and his, his PhD, and uh, he was interested in civic engagement of veterans. I know some of that literature in, in my previous life was a political science professor. And we started looking at, we just sort of gelled together with this idea of thinking systematically about veterans. I was familiar with the term putting on my history librarian hat from uh, literature about the American Civil War. As a political scientist who used to look at, at questions in the history of political thought, I also had some knowledge of the classical literature uh, that provides an interesting backstory. This is before I'd, I'd come across Jonathan Shea's work. And so uh, I hope I'm not going to embarrass Eric too much here, but uh, we created the Veterans and Society Conference, uh, originally called the Veterans Studies Conference, Originally supposed to run uh, in 2012, and there's some scheduling problems uh, then. So the first one was in 2013. So we've been talking about this for a long time. And at that point, because veteran studies had not gelled as a term, we were uh, looking for a very broad conference and just sort of see who was interested and what kind of networks we could create. Uh, the idea has evolved, and I think we'll come back to this later in terms of disciplinary lines, historical depth, and something I'm particularly interested in is uh, the internationalization of veteran studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully we're going to have a follow-on, just for those of you listening, we're going to have a follow-on episode where we're going to bring in some interesting folks who are looking at this on an international basis, even over in the UK and other areas. So, yeah, that's helpful. I mean, there's been so much... Over the years, if you go back, you can find, I'm sure, 
discussions about veterans issues that show up in like military history or maybe mm-hmm. here and there in counseling or, or clinical psychology or in the social work, things like that. Um, and yet they're existing in these individual pockets of like a, an interest area within a larger discipline. And now they're being sort of organized within their own. Um, excellent. So thanks for that, Bruce. Um, and then next, uh, Eric, you were just mentioned, obviously, as a, a key uh, player in this adventure. Um, you want to talk a little bit about uh, your background experiences um, in terms of uh, veteran studies and just where you're at now? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank, thanks for thanks for having me on the show. Uh, so for me, my involvement really began after my uh, transition from the military back into civilian life. I served in the, the Marine Corps in the early 2000s. Um, and when I got out, I had a bit of a difficult transition uh, getting out. You know, it was very culturally disorienting for me going from a military background into, you know, an institution of higher education. So anyway, uh, I did, I was able to make the transition and uh, ended up working in DC for a while. And then I decided I wanted to uh, pursue a PhD. So I went to graduate school at Virginia Tech. And uh, it was around that time is when sort of uh, a lot of veterans were coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and, and, you know, PTSD rates were skyrocketing and veteran suicide numbers were climbing. And I was still in the process of trying to figure out what I wanted to write my dissertation on. So I I became involved with um, efforts on Virginia Tech's campus to help veterans reintegrate uh, into the campus. And I thought, well, you know, why don't I just I just do my doctoral uh, research on, on veterans issues and, and ways to help veterans transition back into society. Because my degree was primarily in political science, I was interested in civic engagement. So, and, and I had read a report saying that veterans exhibit higher rates of civic engagement than civilians. So I thought maybe this is a way to help bridge the gap, you know, is this, this notion of serving in the community, you know, continuing the sense of service that you have while you're in the military, continuing that when you get out kind of serves uh, as a bridge into the community. So I started pursuing that research and that's when I ran into Bruce and Jim, uh, who were both on my, my dissertation committee. Uh, I started getting into the literature and I, I noticed there wasn't a lot out there th- at that time. So I thought, you know, what can we do as a group to try to move forward the, the state of, of research regarding veterans? Uh, so I, I talked to Bruce, I talked to Jim, we decided to, to put on the veterans and society conference uh, to try to bring scholars together who were interested in, in veterans' issues, uh, and it kind of it kind of just took off from there. And I know we can talk more about some of the the efforts that have happened since that point. Excellent, excellent. So, just uh, you know, as we a number of us here have our PhDs, we do the sort of the, the inside questions. What's the what's the really unusual thing that you found in your PhD journey that you didn't expect? Right? What's the little hidden gem from your dissertation? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, so, I was I was in the Marines, and uh, I was never expecting to go back to Paris Island <laughs> or, or do research regarding uh, Marine Corps boot camp for my PhD. But I actually ended up going back to to Marine Corps boot camp to see if it was developing uh, civic skills and civic civic values that would help veterans uh, engage in their communities when they got out. And I found out that, in fact, Marine Corps boot camp is all about uh, civic value development um, through narrative storytelling and moral exemplars and things like that. And, you know, I went through it, but I hadn't really processed it at the time. Sure, sure. So, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to look at it. Yeah, to look at it from that different uh, different perspective. So For sure. Well, that's very interesting to me. Yes, actually. And in my experience, I've worked with so many different groups of veterans in different roles. And I will say the one thing I'm willing to defend is that despite their smaller number, uh, Marines have 
been a disproportionate, probably two or three times greater than their statistical presence would allow for in terms of leadership and stepping up to these roles. The, the Marine, uh, the Marine boot camp is definitely doing something. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to hold back my, my Marine Corps, uh, hoorah pride right now. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then, uh, last but not least, uh, Travis Martin, um, who's the director of the Kentucky center for veterans studies. And so maybe share a little bit, uh, about, um, sort of how you've come to be in the role that you're in and uh, how you viewed the evolution of the, um, veteran studies term. Well, like Eric, I was a service member. I served in the army from 0206 with deployments to Iraq in 03 and 05. And when I got back, I also uh, dealt with some issues with uh, readjustment. And for me, uh, I got into the study of literature and writing as, as a way to kind of work through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of, you know, looking at the historical narrative and the literary works of veterans who had written before me especially the works of like the great war poets and people like that, how they form community and uh, kind of process those experiences collectively led me to, you know, develop teaching styles around expressivist pedagogy. And I eventually, as my first teaching experience was tasked with designing uh, an orientation course just for vets here at Eastern Kentucky university. This was back in 2010 and um, the students, um, invariably tended to focus upon the the hardships that they went through, the dramas, uh, even though that wasn't something that was explicitly asked for in the prompt. Um, So I found that there was a need for that. As I continued to get into my own uh, work, I started to consider myself something like a 20th century American war literature scholar. And that's what I ended up doing my PhD in. And um, and again, in 2015, or not 2000, but September 15, 2010, I just found these notes the other day when I was in my student account. We had our first meeting to talk about a veteran studies academic program here at EKU. And so for me, it was just like, I went up to my boss at the time, I'm still a grad student. And I said, Brett, I see all these other programs. We have Appalachian studies, gender studies, Irish studies, Jewish studies, but we don't have anything called veteran studies. And why not? And he was just like, I don't, I don't even know what your job is, Travis. Just go for it. Um, <laughs> you just find your own way, and you know, that's what you usually do. And so, bias for action. Yes. Yeah. So here I am, uh, you know, first semester teacher, uh, former army sergeant, sitting in with uh, provosts and deans and curriculum councils, like filling out all those meticulous forms and getting the program approved. And uh, we had our first classes in 2011. It wasn't long after that that I got invited to the Veterans and Society Conference to speak, and that's where I met Bruce and James and Eric and uh, Mariana. And Mariana and I actually worked together in another uh, organization called Military Experience in the Arts for a few years. Uh, when I left Eastern, started the nonprofit to kind of focus in on that that opportunity to provide veterans a space where they could tell stories. But we also extended that to non-vets and people in the larger community, and we provided everything for free. Uh, workshops, and we had two national symposia uh, with a couple of hundred people each, and no veteran ever or family member ever paid anything for it. We published something like 500 works and eight edited collections while I was there, and it's still being run by a guy named David Irvin today. He's also an Army vet. Um, so I went on. I had to take a break from it for a bit. Uh, getting a PhD is hard, as you can imagine, um, as we all know, actually. So um, I also started studying social theory up at University of Kentucky. So I got a graduate certificate in that along with my literary studies and wrote my dissertation on what was called a theory of veteran identity. And I guess the odd thing that I found was that my my theory of veteran identity tended to have more to do with non-veterans than it did with vets. Hmm. 
um, the more and more I, I thought about it, it was the issues that veterans were struggling with in terms of self-perception, in terms of finding place and community had to do with the communities they were returning to and just the inability and sometimes the flat out willingness to listen to veterans or give them a space to share, to tell, to be engaged. Um, and I think a lot of that's just uh, ingrained in our society as a way to avoid uh, discomfort with you know the complexities and the hardships of war. But I won't belabor anyone with that dissertation talk that can get really pedantic. So that's that's kind of me. And now I'm back at EKU. I uh, direct our uh, Kentucky Center for Veteran Studies, which is basically an expansion of our academic program to include uh, outreach for our service region, uh, basically providing our students with service learning opportunities, putting them to work in the community to help vets as a way to prepare them for uh, the workforce. A lot of our students. Yeah, psychology, social work, nurses, police studies majors, people like that are tending to flock to the program because um, they'll end up serving vets. There's 18 million of us. That's the hope anyway that we can make them better at it. That's great. And that service also has that side benefit of sort of being uh, both uh, prophylactic and uh, and restorative in terms of the individual's mental health, right? So, I mean, helping others. Absolutely. We've all, I think most, I mean, I remember very profoundly, I really getting my mind right after my last deployment to Iraq really only came about because I started getting so involved in helping other veterans and helping them out of their difficulties was instrumental for me. And so I think it's, I'm a big believer in that. Awesome. Well, thank you for those introductions, gentlemen. And so I'm glad to have you here along with Mariana. And I think, you know, we'd like to shift now, just talk a little bit. Um, you've each sort of mentioned it um, in, in your discussions here and there. You know, if we had to say, where did veteran, who use, do we, do we acknowledge in the field? The, who, who's the first user of the term veteran studies? I think someone did coin the veteranology, right? Um, and, you know, where did you first bump into it? And um, sort of where do you um, see it? So how, how have you seen it evolve, basically? So I think some of the interesting question here really turns around what we mean by the studies part. The term has, and Travis had alluded to this, and I think we've all seen this in different forms, where, yes, there were various groups defined demographically or by senses of identity, and studies was attached to them with a certain uh, social theory attribute tied in with critical theory and that stream of social theory, a lot going back to, to Foucault and, and folks like that. Um, I'm not sure that that is the, the historical usage, for example, for a lot of the folks who are looking at the American Civil War, which is how we've done that. My own approach is to try to think of studies as a more neutral term because there's so many different kinds of experiences. Travis... Uh, has already given an introduction without, I think, intending to as to why here at Tech we called it Veterans in Society, is that it is working from both sides. There's so many different methods, stances, premises, disciplines for looking at both sides of that connection that I've always approached the idea of studies as just a more descriptive term without a any one particular stance. I'm, I'm very concerned about an orthodoxy developing that might exclude people. Sure. When the whole question of which we used uh, that, well, most of us in this group, we tried to get Travis, but he was dissertating at the time. Uh, when we did a, a National Endowment for the Humanities Summer Institute five years ago, 
the two key questions were, what does it mean to be a veteran and who counts as a veteran? And again, both those things have to do with the subjective perception or identity, as well as perceptions that may be ascribed or just sort of floating in the air. So we want to be very, our approach is always to be, to try to be very inclusive Mm -hmm. uh, as to who, who can participate in the discussion. Another, just another point that, that Travis had, had mentioned too, that's been a, a goal here. Marianne has talked about it as well is our goal here is to promote open scholarship, open access. So the proceedings of our conferences have been on the Virginia Tech Institutional Repository for anybody in the world to see the journal that way. Um, and we, we think it's an appropriate part to, to make these different interpretations that, that give so much more nuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Eric, um, you know, for me, when I was initially thinking about, you know, bringing veteran scholars together, it was about sort of addressing a deficiency that I saw in our society, mm-hmm. uh, a, la- a lack of understanding between the rest of the community that Travis was talking about in the veteran population, because the veteran numbers, as we know, since, since Vietnam, right. And since the, the, the draft ended, the, the percentage of the American population that's been serving in the military has been, you know, rapidly declining to now, you know, less than, than 1% or one half of 1%. Yeah, indeed. So, you know, in my mind, that created this disconnect between the vast majority of Americans and what, what veterans were experiencing when they came back. And is there, was there a way that we could, even if, you know, the, the vast majority of society is not going to have that military experience. Was there something that we could do to try to provide information, you know, uh, talk to, to, to the rest of society about the experiences that shape the military and the veteran experience with the hopes that having that knowledge or that experience could help veterans, you know, and the communities uh, make that transition sure. when they can back. Sure. So yeah, that, I mean, how collections of writings and things like that so people could understand the stories of those who were there in the, the early days of the push through Iraq or whatever and maybe personalize that for individuals who maybe have no inkling of what military experience is yeah because we've all had that experience of you know oh, you were in the military you know uh, you know how many people did you kill you know it's just like right. you know this is not what the military is really about but they have their you know they have their sort of call of duty view of, of how it all works yeah and definitely. Yeah. And so I think back to this idea of the different uh, areas that, that, that we draw from, you know, would you say, uh, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of sort of what we see here is, is veterans who came back, who got their PhD, who wanted to focus on these issues um, for their personal experiences and experiences of others that were near them. Um, do we find that there are individuals, and Mari can maybe chime in a little bit, folks who are submitting to the journal, who, you know, do we do we get folks from social work, from psychology, or, or what sort of scholars are contributing, um, and what sort of other areas are contributing into the veteran studies world? All the fields, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's an all interdisciplinary, um, which is great, and it's also... Um, yeah, it's not a fault. It's not a fault. It's it's wonderful to see all of the different voices coming in. Um, there have only been a few people, though, that have been willing to theorize and bring up the topic in a comprehensive way and as, as a way to study it directly. Um, and those fields are more like political science, sociology, those sorts of kinds of disciplines that have that have ventured to kind of bring a look at veteran studies. Um, 
yeah, health sciences is probably one of the larger ones, but I don't think that they think about it in quite the same way that we're talking about here. For sure. Yeah. I would mean, imagine that because this is sort of this amalgam or this melting pot with these differing uh, disciplines coming in, each of them have their own ways, their own epistemology, their own ways of knowing their own rules of sort of what counts for, you know, good research and standards and methods and all of that. Yeah. must be uh, quite an adventure uh, to sort of uh, ride herd on all of those uh, differing assumptions of everybody coming in. Um, but I think it does end up, you know, I mean, obviously you have to do that hard work of, of you know, learning these different approaches. Um, so I think it's, it's great that it's being done. Um, Bruce alluded to Jonathan Shea earlier. People, you know, he, he wrote Achilles in Vietnam and Odysseus in America. He, he talks a lot about Homer, who was writing about veterans in like 700 BC. The Christian Bible writes about veterans and prescribes mm-hmm. ways of letting them return and just ways yeah. to do with war. Just war theory, I think, itself goes way back and before recorded history. Uh, the Veterans and Society Conference, uh, the, you know, they talked about Willard, uh, Willard Waller and uh, his veteranology. I mean, that was probably the closest thing that, you know, I had seen to like, a, you know, an attempt to bring together various perspectives. It was very uh, focused on problematics and specific issues that maybe not would be applicable to like a, a fuse theory of veteran identity. But you know, I, I would say that the red badge of courage, even Stephen Crane was like a very good way of looking at veteran identity. I mean, he Trying is to process those experiences, you know, yeah. wound and using it to justify his identity as, as a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, so if one of us was the, were the first one to use the phrase veteran studies, I would say that's probably less important than the fact that people have been writing about it for, for, for centuries. And we are mm-hmm. as a community, a very, a very close knit and sharing community. I'll add, uh, coming together to be an inclusive place for people to kind of bring these interdisciplinary perspectives together. Like some of our colleagues who weren't here, Jim Craig and I, were working together in 2010, 2011 on our respective curriculum. Uh, Ernest uh, Luke McLeese, he he worked here at EKU, and now he started the first bachelor's level program. Mm -hmm. Um, Mariana and I. And we, we've all, and uh, like I said, I was at the Veterans Society. We've all been sharing with each other and we've all been uh, welcoming in more and more voices. And one thing else I'll add too is it's, it's not just veterans. And Mariana is just one example of that. Um, you know, if, if you're going to have an idea, if you're going to have a theory, you're going to have, you know, uh, a discipline, you can't just have veterans being the only people capable of teaching it. The ideas have to stand on their own. And I think most of us see that. And Bruce, you're an example too. Yes, yes. I wanted to jump in there to to clarify any misunderstandings. Yeah, I got into this as the clueless civilian by noting the contrast among uh, three members of my family and a dear friend who all served during the Vietnam War in the American military had very different experiences Mm -hmm. from ones in which uh, ranging from one person who didn't get start collecting his VA benefits until he was reaching retirement age. It was not a central part of his identity, so far as I could tell, but it was certainly a, a led to, his, to a career path. Another was very traumatized by his experiences and is still struggling after 50 years of, of being back. Uh, and that kind of, of uncertainty is part of my, my motivation to say this whole question of how do we unpack these simple stereotypes about veterans 
so much tied to our veterans, i.e. our own country's veterans of whatever war. We don't pay as much attention to peacetime veterans. And it seems to me the veteran studies through this sense of, yes, veterans in society as opposed to veterans and society, which there's a built-in binary. And there is a section in, in Ergomas, the European Military Sociology Association, we've loosely coordinated with over the years. Their section is veterans and society. And I think, again, that applies a different stance as to how we look as scholars, but again, as, as Travis and, and Eric both mentioned, also the insider, outsider, how do we juxtapose those things uh, to, to everybody's benefit? Yeah. I think those are great comments to wrap up this section. So I did want to say thanks for that. It's, uh, it's definitely uh, been super interesting. I'd, I'd like to thank Travis for his comments as well as wrapping things up. Um, and so we're going to get some you guys hopefully back and your colleagues together for another episode where we're going to talk about all the amazing programs that you're doing. So again, I want to thank you again very much, Travis, Bruce, Eric, and Mari for being on this yep. second half of this first episode. And we're going to get you back and continue to. So for those of you who are listening, if you want to hear more about these amazing programs that are being uh, developed all across the nation, just uh, catch us on our next episode. Thanks very much. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Fretz, and this is Veterans Radio. Hi, this is Dale Throneberry again. Thank you very much for listening to our program today, and I really want to thank Dr. Fretz and his guests for talking all about the veteran studies programs that are going on around the country and around the world. Uh, Dr. Fretz will be back, as, I, as he mentioned, uh, continuing with this story about veteran studies. But I wanted to remind everybody that next week is our Gifts for Veterans program. So tune in and find out, you know, if you're going to be able to find something for that veteran in your house, uh, this is the place to find it. So tune in next week. And until then, this is Dale Throneberry, and you are dismissed. <laughs>